Right, let's turn to this week's Trash Talk with Marcy Trentlong. And this week, Marcy speaks with Fiona Sykes from Arab as they discuss a little bit more about the reduction of construction waste and also focusing on designs that would minimize waste generation. Happy Monday, Trash Talk listeners. Interesting fact for you today. Almost 20 years ago, in 2005, legislation for a construction waste disposal charging scheme was enacted. So if you have a construction project of over a million Hong Kong dollars, you need to have an account with the EPD to deposit your construction waste. Today, we're lucky enough to have an expert on this subject, of construction waste to update us on new news in the construction waste sphere in Hong Kong. Welcome to the show. Fiona Sykes is from Arup, which is a very well-known sustainable engineering consultancy here in Hong Kong and are extremely knowledgeable about the latest and greatest uh, zero waste building designs. Uh, Welcome to the show, Fiona. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Marcy. <laughs> well, the last time you were on the show, which was about two years ago, I think, year and a half. So. Yeah. You gave us a an incredible explanation on how waste from construction sites is managed in Hong Kong during excavation and construction. So now, Trash Talk listeners, you can either go back to a year ago or maybe, Fiona, um, you can just give us a sound bite to cut to give us a background. Sure, no problem. Good context starter. No (laughs) no problem at all. So construction waste is generated during the construction period. um, And this can be from different things from clearing the site initially. So that could be from uh, removing trees or old buildings and so on. Um, And then also during the construction process itself. So there's some of the materials used such as the formwork to hold the concrete in place while it's being poured. Um, or offcuts from the um, the reinforcement bars or excess concrete because there's you know you have to buy enough to make sure you've got enough to finish your your whole section that you're doing in that day, um, and then also during the fit out so things like packaging for furniture or for um, excess carpet tiles or tiles or other things like that. So those are the types of construction waste that they are, um, and then broadly speaking, they're kind of three options for what happens to them afterwards so things that are kind of good quality rock like um, uh, excavation for example from a tunnel um, then that tends to get stored it's either reused again straight away on another project because it's very useful it can be cut down into aggregate for concrete or it can be used as a fill material Um, or if it's mixed material so uh, and that's referred to as inert material here um, or if it's mixed, so there's some inert and some uh, some other rubbish in there, it can go to the sorting facilities to separate out what's useful for reuse. Um, and then the uh, the rest, so the non-inert material, so things like the the wooden formwork that's got concrete on it and can't be used anymore, then so that like ends up in landfill. like a mixed material, you mean? Uh, yeah, it can be a mixed or it's, um, uh, it can be, uh, you know, some of the packaging that's not recyclable and things like that. So the main statistics relate to the what goes to the fill banks or what's kept for other projects, um, which is undertaken by GEO and then EPD. Um, and then also what goes into the landfill under the construction waste side. Interesting. So the recycling part, then the contractors and subcontractors can also take the excess materials for reuse, etc. But the data, there's not a lot of data on that because it's, you know, it just happens within the individual companies. Typically. Oh, I see. Okay. And what are the sorting facilities that you really, you referred to? 
Okay, so there are two sorting facilities. So they are next to the fill bank. So there, there are two fill banks. So they basically store the stone and the rock. And what they want is the stone and the rock that's of good enough quality to be able to reuse in other projects, either for reclamation or public fill. And some of the granite can get um, crushed down into um, the stone, so the aggregate that gets used in, in concrete. Um, and so the the part of the goal of those is to avoid things like big rocks going to landfill because it's you know not very sensible it's better to reuse them right so the sorting facilities can take uh, mixed material uh, so some of that might be stone and uh, stone and rock uh, and excess concrete and then some of it might be things like the the formwork or the wood or the packaging and so on and if you think about um the high-rise construction sites in Hong Kong, you often see the chute coming out of the side. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that waste chute. So everything from the upper floors comes down there. So whether it's stone, excess concrete, it's packaging, it's plastic, uh, whatever it is, it comes down in that one thing into that, that skip. So if there's a mix in the end, then that can go through to the sorting facilities, which are next to the fill bank. And the purpose of that, basically, is to take out the... It's more or less to take out the garbage from the rock and the stone. So the rock and the stone can be reused. Um, metals and things would get picked out there and then they can be uh, on the magnets and they can be recycled. And then anything that's waste at the end of that goes to the landfills. Interesting. And it's run by the government. Yes, it's um, run by the government. Yes, that's go. true. Yeah, yeah okay. government facilities for All that. Right. Okay. Well, now today, that's kind of the back end. That's the waste stream coming out, right? So today we're going to try to talk a little bit about the front end and about how Arup is actually designing buildings now um, that in a way that less waste is even produced mm. from the beginning. And that's a pretty interesting subject. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's how you fill your days, isn't it? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> but lots of us do. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what are? Let's talk about some of those ways. Sure. Um, so, so yes, in Arab we build a, we design a lot of buildings, and I work in the resource and waste management side. So I'm, I'm looking at how the operational waste um, gets reduced and so on. So we have a few strategies. Um, so one of the things that's been um, published and released a, a few years ago is the circular building toolkit. And that's something about looking at the strategies for um, for re reducing waste throughout the whole life cycle and through improving the circular economy, so reusability. And that covers a few strategies through build nothing. So if you can avoid a building, if you can oh, avoid knocking something down and yeah. refurbish or renovate, um, then, you know, that's one way to, to reduce your um, your demolition waste and so on. So that's the first thing. But you ah. know, quite often, if you've got a growing population, particularly Southeast Asia and so on, then that's not always a, a right. viable right. option. So right. then it's to build for the long term view. So how could your building be used in future and how can you design it to... To, to handle variations of use and so on. Huh. And then about building efficiently. So this is something that, you know, has always been part of the structural engineering approach because you're always trying to look for the most efi efficient and effective way to hold up hold up the structure. Huh. Um, and then also building with the right materials. So trying to reduce the embodied carbon and the, the wastefulness of the materials that you're using. Um, so that's kind of the starting point. And then within that circular building toolkit, there are a series of strategies about how you can deal with each individual component of that, which is, you know, it's quite interesting and available if anyone wants to right. have a look at it. And and so that toolkit is an Arab product? It's an Arab product, but it's available on the 
uh, online, the basic strategies oh, really? and so on. Uh, so it's for everybody? On there, Not who just can your favourite clients? Oh, well, they, you know, they make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's uh, the... the the core part of it is available online. Fabulous. And then we can, uh, you know, get involved in more detail and okay. so on as, yeah, great. as necessary. Um, but then that can apply at different stages of the building. So waste is generated at all different stages. So um, if we, you know, start with the site formation, so preparing the site for a new building. So it might involve taking out some vegetation, it might involve taking out some rock, it might involve levelling the land, it might involve um, demolishing something else. So that's kind of the first part where there's often you know, a big chunk of, of waste there. So there's some um, things that can be done now. So, for example, the Y Park um, up in Tunmun takes the trees right. from site formation. And that's new. I mean, it's in the pretty last new, year. yes, in the last yeah, couple yeah, of years. Yeah. So it's, um, and that's pretty good because that can then turn things into fencing or mulch or, or really nice furniture. I've been up there a couple of times. They've got some great, great stuff up there. So oh, really? the promotion, you need any wood stuff, then that's oh. the place to go. Um, so, so that's really the first part. And so then so the soil can be removed. Sometimes that can be stored and reused later for landscaping. And then the rocks, as we, we talked about earlier, the rock and excavation material can go. Um, and then it's through the building stage. So this is when the, you know, the concrete's being put up and, and so on. And some of the more interesting things that are happening around that now is around the use of MIC or modular integrated construction and DFMA or design for manufacture and assembly. Thank you very much for telling us what that meant. <laughs> and um, I have to remember the acronyms. Um, and also MIMEP, which is modular oh, no. integrated mechanical, electrical and plant. So that's okay. like the services. Trash so talkers, the- we're having an exam at the end of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like who remembers what that. MIMEP means? <laughs> but that's for the services, so the internal oh. layout, so the electrical cables and the, the wires and the, 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 the water pipes and the fire services pipes and so on. Oh, that's really important. Very, very, very. And um, so the DFMA and the MIC, so... Okay. <laughs> basically, it's all about building it in a factory first and then delivering it. So rather than p- taking... Um, uh, trucks full of uh, wet concrete to then pour, which has issues where you have to make sure you've got enough, which means you have to overorder a certain amount. Um, you need to make sure it's strong enough, so you can, may add extra cement to make sure it's definitely going to meet its strength criteria. Otherwise, you'd have to demolish the whole wall and you know lose the whole thing again. So it's quite important to make sure that those parameters are there. Huh. Um, but that can mean that, um, that there can be a little bit of excess um, through that process, but if you're doing this modular one, then maybe you're, you're you've got this pre-established design. <clears throat> excuse me, and you know how much concrete you need, and then you just multiply it out. Sure, and then it's done in a factory, so it's in controlled conditions, so it's not raining, it's you know it's humidity controlled, and so everything can be. Um, and there's optimized. no cement trucks clogging the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the site. There would instead be a delivery truck carrying the panels, okay. the pre-compacted panel. Um, but that can be used for a lot of things. So within the um, the slabs in the building itself, structurally, with staircases and for things like bathrooms and kitchens. So particularly if you've got a repeatable design. So quite an important thing in the design stage of that is to make things as repeatable as possible, um, particularly for the structural side. So one of the engineers I was talking to to, you know, get some inspiration said, you need a very boring, sensible design. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, I was and he says, you know, sometimes can be very hard work 
to to get it like that, particularly if if you know you're working with an architect trying to do something uh, iconic and inspirational and not necessarily with many straight lines. Um, but the goal of what we do a lot of, um, to, and we work you know with a lot of the very famous architects, is to build. Uh, something that structurally works, uh, but then fits with the architectural form as well. So that's a quite a interesting. Right, way you guys of doing don't that. do that much boring stuff. Well, it can be Probably. boring, but it looks interesting on the outside. <laughs> see, yeah, that's the secret. See. That's so you're modular secret. in the in part, and then you add on. It, it can be so. So modular is kind you of you accessorize your in. building. Exactly. <laughs> So the uh, modularization is something that's been coming in in the last few years, which is, uh, which you know, is is a pretty good way of reducing that um, that waste and that excess. And then also through design optimization. So this is kind of there's a lot of iteration that happens between you know because you need your building to be safe. It needs to be slightly stronger than you need it to cover things like earthquakes and high winds and strong weather and excess loads and you know changing the use and so on. So there's some other so there's some other tools. So another one that's been launched and this is now commercially available is PKPM, which is a mainland uh, software developer AID, which is Arab Intelligent Design. And this is a particular software product which is all about um optimizing optimizing the design to kind of get the most efficient way of using the amount of um reinforcement and rebar and concrete strength to to fit the building. So uh, so the, the kind of the developments in the software side has really been able to kind of be a bit of a game changer in terms of reducing the repetitive use of time and then also, right. um, you know, it helps you to optimise the materials exactly. that, are, that are used through there. So that's... Um, that's, that's some of the really things that important. are going on in the yeah. in the sort of the preparation for the actual building structure stage itself. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, super interesting. And so when the building is being put together, then the you know the main issues are things like you know if you're up on the hundredth floor and you're putting the uh, the water pipes in and you're soldering them together, cutting bits off, things like that. So <clears throat> that's what ends up in that going trash down the, <clears throat> going down the chute and if you use things like the modular MEP then you can get your whole section of that delivered so you're doing a lot less in situ work and you've got less off cuts oh. and you've got uh, you know everything just fits together nicely so exactly um so it's more efficient so um and you don't you get you don't plan, get the guy you saying gosh I wish I would have moved that over a foot yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and actually, now you mentioned that, then BIM, which is building information modeling, is um, another tool which is now quite popular. So the government's, um, you know, it's been promoting that. We've been using it for quite a few years now. And my BIM specialist colleagues will probably cringe at this, but, you know, in very simple terms, it's a, it's a, it's kind of doing all our drawings in 3D. So, um, so it's more like a, a model of the the um the building shape so we can look at the openings the doors the services going through look at the maintenance space and so on and that really helps to kind of have everything effectively built in your computer first so then when you get to site all of the clashes and so on aren't there right um so that uh, that's also been something that's really been helping so it's well kind of more work for us but it helps the uh, the builders to to you know have everything resolved at that stage right and less kind of variability in terms of fixing things up right at the time and i mean in hong kong so many of our buildings are so tall yeah <laughs> um the, and some are super thin yeah 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 so um 
So, you know, there is the opportunity there to kind of repeat um, on different floors. Um, and also talking to a contractor a colleague was talking about, you know, that then also means that they can have um, special bespoke reusable formwork that they use, you know, one for one for level one and one for level two and then level one goes up to level three and level two goes up to level four. And rather than having many, many pieces of, of wood, they can use the, um, the the reusable aluminium kind to, um, as long as there's repetition between the floors. Huh. So that's why the, the boring repetition is very important <laughs> because it allows things like factory manufacture and um, uh, modular modularization to, to be able to occur. So if you can do that for as much as possible and then, you know, make it bespoke in, in other ways with the fittings and finishes and so on, then that's something that's quite, um, you know, that's something that's quite nice right. way to do that. And, you know, consider it more as a, as a product for a factory design. Well, what's interesting is we are supposed to be building a lot of flats mm. in the next five years or ten years. So modularization maybe is particularly interesting for that. Mm. Yeah, certainly things like bathroom units, kitchen units, and uh, utilities, and so on. <laughs> All good for that. Um, and, Anything and then, else off the top of your head? Well, then I was just going to mention that once you know the once the structure is there, then you've got to fit it out. So, you know, if it's an office building, for example, one one example I heard recently from the Sustainable Office Solutions team. I'm not sure if you've. Had them on yet? Of course but, I have. Of course, excellent. Uh, they, they're people that help you empty out your office and recycle it rather than just put it all in the landfill, right? Yeah, kind of. So it's about repurposing the furniture and reusing it and so on. Um, and we're also talking about something that we've been involved in as well, which is about using um, modular partitions for uh, for offices, meeting rooms and so on, so that um, if you want to refit, you can take them apart and rearrange them and move them elsewhere rather than them being uh, demolished, broken down and um, and sent to landfill. So that's a good way of kind of keeping your, your large floor um, available, but uh, then the individual tenants can, can fit it out in a way that can be easily taken in and taken out. I mean, you've seen how quickly sometimes some uh, shops and restaurants and things oh, yeah. open and Change close in uh, here. And sometimes, you know, there's a requirement to return it back to its original state. So there can be a lot of uh, materials disappearing out that way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then I should probably mention the bit that I mostly work in, which is the operational use. So that's about, you know, the, the, the garbage and things that are made during the actual use of the building. So, you know, making sure you've got enough space to put your paper recycling bins and your other, other uh, you know, garbage collection points and recycling areas is, is you know, the, the, the final step on the cherry. But for the, the construction waste, it's really about the, the designing of the form and the future flexibility in use yeah. of the building. Fascinating. I, it's really great that it's it's come along. So in in only a year and a half, <laughs> I think we just ran out of time. <clears throat> oh, you think so? All right. Thank you so much, Fiona, for coming in and and explaining all that in trash talk. And it's so exciting that Arup is is taking a leader. I'm going to take a look at this circular toolkit on mm -hmm. Arup's website, and I hope the other trash talkers do too. So thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK On The Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas, 
If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia. Many thanks once again to Marcy for this week's Trash Talk, and we'll have more Trash Talk next Monday. Cheers to you, Marcy.